Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. Welcome to Hagman. This is the Hagman Report, where truth can't be silenced. I want to welcome you to a very special edition of the Hagman Report. It is Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. My goodness, what happened to the 70s and the 80s? Well, anyway, websites where you can find the truth. HagmanReportLive.com, that's HagmanReportLive.com, and HagmanReport.com. Hagman Report Live, of course, video, audio, drill down, and, and uh, you can get the downloads. You can download the audio. Um, HagmanReport.com, of course, show prep and articles, uh, individuals uh, uh, who uh, uh, write and write articles, and myself will put notes up there from time to time. I have a wonderful show lineup for you, a lot of, just a lot of information. I'm going to get right to it. Uh, but first, I want to thank each and every one of you, as I always do. Know from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for your support of this show. We are in a, a battle for the death. I mean, to the death. Um, I can tell you that right now. Just as the Republic, United States, is in a battle, and we are in a battle. Ours is more personal. Ours is quite expensive. Ours is quite uh, um, vicious. But we're, we're pushing through it. I want to thank you for your support, for your prayers, for your notes. Just read a ton of, e- um, not emails, but uh, uh, notes that came through the, the mail uh, over the last uh, couple of days. And I want to just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so very much. Some good suggestions, guest suggestions, some good um, feedback. Thank you for that. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you for for again for being patreon members to the patreon members thank you so very much uh working on uh, increasing some added values there um my my book is coming out the, the sequel is coming out just it's it's almost there it's almost there just a few other hoops to go through and it's it's within days i can see the light at the end of the tunnel and uh i want to thank you for uh for your support of my first book stand by blood and uh, the success of that, and this is going to be, I think, just as insightful and informative. Before I get uh, go through or go further, folks, Wisconsin Christian News, Wisconsin Christian News, I don't get paid to say this. Look, folks, subscribe and support uh, Wisconsin Christian News. This is a newspaper that you can get the digital and hard copy of, I would suggest getting both, or at least the hard copy. Um, I have I have a guest column in there, and I hope to be writing for them on a regular basis if I can see through this, and I think I can. But uh, many, many talented, great information, you know, inform- inspiring writers and information you're not going to get on anywhere else. Nowhere else you're going to get this information except Wisconsin Christian News. So it's right there on the screen. Link is going to be in the uh, program description box at HagmanReportLive.com. 
And by the way, that's where you want to show you, if you want information about what's, you know, the, the show itself, links and such, you go to Hagman Report Live. That's where you'll find the links, not on YouTube, not on Spreaker, not, not elsewhere, but on Hagman Report Live. I want to direct everyone there. Some changes we're going to be making, it's going to almost mandate you uh, to go to Hagman Report Live or um, for all the information. We're going to be on Roku pretty soon and some other improvements. Again, thanks to you, we're making. And, uh, I've just never been more excited about things. All right. The uh, second hour today, we're going to have uh, Steve Coyle with uh, Pastor David Langford. You're not going to want to miss that. But right now, I've got just this fantastic, again, information-packed show. This is the battle to the death right now. I would even call this potentially a scorched earth kind of procedure. Scorched earth by the deep state. Almost a mutually assured destruction by both political parties, not necessarily the individuals, but the parties themselves, uh, fighting to the death for our the future of our republic. I've got a number of video clips that you've got to see, including President Donald Trump, his response to a, a question, and then some information about really what what I've been saying all along. Look, what we're seeing right now is a de facto coup by the deep state. As you as you know, I've walked you through this many, many times. De facto coup by the deep state because of the 2016 election results. It actually began as President Trump, now President Trump, descended that escalator. That's when this coup attempt began, or that's when, that's when the deep state began to marginalize or attempt to marginalize President Donald Trump. And I'm, I'm going through this because... We're picking up new viewers and new listeners. If you are upset by that, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. Just deal with it because many people are coming into the fold saying, you know, give me the backstory. Give me the, the foundational elements of this crime of the century. And I believe we're seeing the worst criminal activity by deep state players in the history of the republic. I have no doubt in my mind. And you know, websites like Media Matters and these other puke websites, in my view, like um, Right Wing Watch and, and even Wikipedia to, to, to an extent, attempting to revise history, attempting to defend the indefensible. It's, I've never seen anything like this ever before. I never thought I would see it like, like this today. And, and just yesterday... Nickelback uh, issuing a copyright claim on a photograph of Hunter and Joe Biden on a golf course. Did you see that? It was on YouTube or it was on uh, Twitter. President Trump retweeted a photograph of Hunter and uh, Hunter and Joe Biden at a golf course. I believe the other one. I could be wrong. Devin Archer. Maybe. Uh, maybe not right. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. You know, claiming, of course, that him and his son never never spoke about overseas policies or overseas businesses or hunters' businesses. Yeah, my my butt. But the photograph was an element to substantiate the fact that they did. Well, this this two bit uh, apparently Canadian band. I never heard of them before, or Canadian artist, or I don't know who this rumdum is. Nickelback up there in Canada. Anything I like about Canada is our maple syrup. But I digress. But, but see, issuing a copyright claim in Twitter takes that down. 
okay. But here's what I'm seeing right now. I'm seeing a one pissed off President Donald Trump right now. I am seeing, and I've, because of last year, made some contacts within, I don't want to overstate this, but I've got some contacts within the that orbit, within the Donald Trump orbit. Certainly, I, I don't have the contacts others do. But, you know, mine's, but I'll tell you this. You've got one angry president right now. And he is pulling out the stops, a lot of the stops, not going full nuclear, metaphorically speaking, but pulling out a lot of the stops to expose the criminality of Joseph Biden. By the way, the most corrupt vice president, bar none, in the history of the United States is Joe Flippin' Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. Oh, and let's not forget Carrie's stepson, Chris Heinz. You talk about what is wrong with people who, who don't understand the criminality behind this. <clears throat> then you've got, uh, you've got deep state attacks against Bill Barr. What's Bill Barr been doing? For those who are saying, oh, well, you know, Donald Trump's just, just one another member of the swamp. Well, you know what? Get your head out of your rear ends, okay? And, and look what's happening right now. He's got Bill Barr traveling about and doing what? Collecting evidence as an attorney general should. Look, the, the, the entire, this entire coup was planned domestically, but developed internationally. The Five Eyes countries were up to their eyes in this. You've got, you've got personal enrichment by the son of Biden. And wait a second. Do you, does anyone really believe that some two-bit cocaine-addled, drug-addled, son of a vice president is, is really going to you know be the recipient of millions of dollars while his daddy is the point man as per Obama on foreign policy and especially Ukraine matters about Ukraine where do you think that money ended up do you think Hunter Biden you know used that for uh, hookers and blow maybe some of it about to buy influence of Joe Biden? And it's not just Ukraine. Remember I, last week, it's China and Ukraine. Look at what the Bidens, look at, look, at, look at the Biden enterprise in China. I didn't even get into half of it last, I don't know, last week or whenever, whenever it was to buy influence. I mean, that almost embarrasses Hillary and Bill Clinton as far as their relationship with China is concerned. And then you got Ukraine. Hunter Biden being, you know, put on the board of Burisma. Of course, you know, having this uh, small uh, equity firm, he doesn't know anything about money or equities, you know, and they get a sweetheart deal from, uh, you know, anyway. The bottom line is this. 
This is all about Donald Trump right now exposing what Obama did in Ukraine by way of Joseph Biden. You notice over the past couple of days, Joseph Biden's been apoplectic. He hasn't really, he's been pretty catatonic, maybe. He hasn't really said much about, about Ukraine and about Hunter because it's indefensible. When you, when, you, when you start looking at when all this began, you're looking at a coup that began within our intelligence agencies domestically. I'm talking about the FBI, and I'm talking about the CIA and the NSA and others. A multiplicity of intelligence organizations and agencies. This is where the coup was initiated. Right now, where's it at? It's at the uh, House, Intel uh, um, House Intelligence Committee. Adam Schiff. <laughs> Sorry, Adam Schiff. Shifty Schiff. Adam Fuller Schiff. We're finding out now, Adam Schiff, maybe, just maybe, he, oh, I don't know. Could it be Adam Schiff maybe assisted in the writing of that whistleblower complaint? Could it be that Adam Schiff maybe wrote that whistleblower complaint? Is that possible? Been hearing a lot of things out there. Think about that. So you've got the what, what we're seeing right now is a military, industrial, congressional media complex lined up against President Donald Trump. And don't give me the fact that you know President Trump's bought and paid for, and he's he's just a dog and pony show. You know what? I don't buy that any more than I buy that. I just don't buy it. It's nonsense. I, it, 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 uh, I, it, that's just a bunch of a bunch of crap, in my view. <clears throat> and if that's your look, if that if that's the way you feel, fine. You can come on and you can talk. And you, but but you know what? I think you're a fool. Let's go to, uh, I'm going to take you back to 2014, May 14th of 2014. Where we are today has its roots back during, well into the Obama regime, as well as the, uh, well, this was the Kerry State Department, but, you know, it began with the Obama regime, the John Brennan uh, intelligence, head of intelligence, the CIA, uh, and then, of course, Hillary Clinton in the State Department. But let's go back to May of 2014, May 14th, 2014, to be precise. This is a this is a video. It's a telling video. I'll have more commentary after it. But when you look at this on uh, on YouTube, 
you are warned that this is Russian propaganda. Okay? Wikipedia. Wikipedia says this is Russian propaganda. So be warned. Watch out. I'm going to fill your head with Russian propaganda. By the way, I've been accused of being an operative of Russia in legal papers. I got to fight. I got to pay and fight, pay an attorney and fight accusations of me being uh, a, a Russian asset. It's not a waste of money. I'm waiting for Russia, Russia to pay me. Maybe Eric the Tech's skimming from the top from Russia. I don't know. Take it to Russia today. Or uh, this is a, a Russia Today video, May 14th, 2014. This kind of pinpoints kind of, this is an important video. Just take a watch and take a listen. Video one. It's all right. He had a different one queued. That's no worries. And, and there's going to be a couple of other ones as well. So it's pretty good. And a son of the U.S. vice president has joined the board of directors of Ukraine's largest private gas producer. Hunter Biden now leads the company's legal unit, getting the position a few weeks after his father's trip to Kiev. And as Marina Portnoy explains, this could be more than just a coincidence. Since the start of the crisis in Ukraine, Washington has provided unwavering moral and financial support to anti-government protesters, particularly those who spearheaded the uprising. Over the past months, Kyiv has received special visits from the CIA director, the Secretary of State, his assistant, senators, and most recently, huh. U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, who huh. recently crossed the Atlantic to assure Ukrainians that America's involvement in their crisis is sincere. We, the United States, stand with you and all the Ukrainian people. In time, democracy can be delivered to the Ukrainian people. It is uh, not just um, uh, a foreign policy judgment. It is a personal, it's an emotional commitment as well by uh, millions of Americans. Um, and. Uh, as you attempt to pursue energy security. Well, as it turns out, Joe Biden's youngest son will be conveniently playing a major role in Ukraine's pursuit of energy independence. You don't say. Hunter Biden has been appointed head of legal affairs at Burisma Holdings, Ukraine's largest private gas producer. The U.S. vice president's son will also join the company's board of directors, no. consulting on matters related to international expansion and policies surrounding the country's economy. Economy. Critics say this is typical Washington politics, exploiting a foreign crisis for personal gain. Now, of course, when the United States gets involved, uh, as, as most every other country on Earth, if they get involved in some foreign adventure, they try to portray it in the most uh, altruistic and platonic um, uh, fashion possible. Uh, however, it's very difficult to disentangle business interests from national interests. Vice President Biden has repeatedly accused Moscow of meddling in Ukraine's affairs, also insisting that America will help Kyiv reduce its dependency on Russia's energy. Mr. Biden just didn't mention that his own son and the U.S. would be benefiting in the interim. Reporting from New York, Marina Portnaya, RT. 
Hunter, however, is not the only American on Burisma's board with close ties to the U.S. government. Devin Archer joined the gas company a day after Joe Biden's visit to Ukraine. Archer was an advisor to the now Secretary of State John Kerry during his presidential campaign in 2004. And the U.S. State Department said it wasn't troubled by the appointments when the issue came up at a briefing. I'm wondering if the State Department has any concerns or any thoughts about the vice president's son joining the board of directors of this Ukrainian gas um, gas company? No, he's a private citizen. Do you consider that the Russian oligarchs who control, or the Ukrainian oligarchs who control these, uh, they're, they're all private citizens as well? We certainly right? wouldn't put them in the same no, category. No, I'm not suggesting that it should be in the mm-hmm. same category, but I'm wondering if there are concerns from this building about the perception of about how the Russians and or the Ukrainians would perceive the involvement of a son of the vice president of the United States, especially given the situation. No, there. Well, now, isn't that special? Isn't that special? It's all coincidental, I'm sure, because that was that was May 14th of 2014. You know, it was the month before in April of 2014 when, as they said, Hunter joins, uh, joined Burisma, which Burisma, Burisma, whatever, it was headed by, oh, I don't know, two corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs. What could possibly go wrong? At the same time, of course, that Joe Biden, as stated there, is responsible for all Western aid to the Ukraine government. As per Barack Hussein Obama. So Kyle, or, or anyone at Media Matters, go ahead and deb- or Wikipedia, you know, the, you know, the, the leftist en- uh, editors. Go ahead and, and what, what is that, conspiracy theory? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It's Russian propaganda. But see, they stated it very plainly back in 2014. And, and they might call it Russian propaganda. It might be from RT. But if it's true, if the facts are true, are they not true? You could have, you could have a, a criminal come in to the studio and say, hey, you got uh, TV screens and, and blue lighting in the back. Well, okay, so he's, he's a criminal. His character is besmirched by his whatever. Or, or maybe he works for, I don't know, CNN. If he states something that's true, well, it's true. Russia, you know, Russia Today, RT. But, of course, that's propaganda. All right. But see, <laughs> I, this, I should say that was April, that was May of 2014 That from that video clip. The previous month is when Hunter Biden joined Ukraine, uh, the Burisma. But, but December, just five, what, five months before that, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were on Air Force Two. They went to Beijing for, uh, what, three, four days, something like that. And they did the same thing in China. Well, it was worse, but I explained that in previous. The... Oh, what did Hunter Biden do um, before he became the energy expert and the equities expert? 
He was a lobbyist for online gaming entities. Yeah. I was doing some background work on this and pretty interesting. Devin Archer, the, the gentleman that was mentioned, he was on trial. He ripped off, uh, he was on trial for uh, ripping off one of the poorest Indian tribes in the United States. Nice guy that he is, I'm sure. But here's the thing. In April 2014, Hunter Biden joins Burisma, headed by two corrupt oligarchs. oligarchs. At the same time, Joe Biden's responsible for all Western aid to Ukrainian government. So $1.8 billion, that's $1.8 billion with a B, Dollars was given to was sent to Ukraine via Pravat Bank. This is back way back then. We know Biden's sitting there; he's controlling the aid now. Guess what? A billion dollars comes up missing. Whoops! I hate when that happens. You know when my checking account's off by a billion. Yeah, it just really screws up my day. But who owns Pravat Bank? The very same oligarch who has Hunter Biden and got Hunter Biden on the payroll of Burisma Holdings. I'll play it right now, just a few seconds. <laughs> okay, again, you want to know if Donald Trump's going out there and, and waging war against a deep state if you're saying, oh, well, you know, he's just, he's just, he's just, he's just a sell-off. He's just part of the deep state. It's just all a dog and pony show. All right. Here's a little tidbit from yesterday, the press conference, in case you missed it. We'll just play the first, I don't know, 30 seconds of this. Uh, here's Donald Trump getting asked a question and his response. Uh, go ahead, video three. What, about, what, about Mr. Biden? What, what did you want about Biden? What did you want him to look into on Biden? Look, Biden and his son are stone-cold crooked. And you know it. His son walks out with millions of dollars. The kid knows nothing. You know it, and so do we. Go ahead, ask a question. But the, the question, sir, was what did you want President Zelensky to do about Pre <laughs> Vice President Biden and his son, Hunter? Are you talking to me? Yeah, it was just a follow-up of what I you just talking asked to me? Sir. Listen, you ready? You talking we have to the me? President of Finland, ask him a question. I have one all right, for him. Right. I just you, wanted you can, to follow up on that. the one that I. Oh, we'll, we'll replay that. I love that. You talking to me? Kind of channeling uh, De Niro and, and uh, tax, uh, taxi driver, right? Whatever. But see, for a president to say that, for President Donald Trump to say that the VP and his son, and let me get that quote down here. It's on the Hagman Report uh, Twitter feed. Are stone cold crooked. Okay, you know the gloves are off now. Now you know the gloves are off. So tell me again how Donald Trump's a, a, a wussy. Go ahead, tell me. Tell me again that he, he oh, it's just, you know, uh, tell me again. And you know it. And you know it. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I'm not there. I, I'd have pushed the button by now. I'd have nuked some, well, <clears throat> which is why, you know.
I'd have been impeached after like the first five minutes. So this is what it's all about today. This is what, where, what, where we're at today is a battle to the death for the future of our republic, and President Donald Trump knows it, and he is fighting for not just him. It's not just him. It is for you and I and for the freedom of our children and our grandchildren, and he knows what's at stake. He knows who the bad players are, and he is not backing down, and he is causing some things to, to, to be done. And he's calling out and he's asking for an investigation of Biden and his son in Ukraine and in China. And you just saw yesterday with the president of Finland, him saying that Joe Biden is and the son are stone cold, crooked, and you know it, and you know it. And I don't think he was all too happy. All right. Setting this up, you saw the first video from uh, May 14th, 2014, Burisma. There's an important video here. I'm, I'm getting short on time here. The, the very important video. It's a summary. It's a summary that offers you some insight into where we are today, going back to those days of the Obama regime, done by Devin Nunes, House Intelligence Committee. And this is a several minutes. It's a fantastic summary. It was uh, well-received by uh, President Trump, by others in his circle, and he wants this out. He wants this information out. Go ahead, and if you, if you haven't seen this, because the media is not playing all of this, let's roll video two. This is Devin Nunes, House Intelligence Committee. This was done within the last uh, 48 hours. Go ahead. Thank the gentleman. I want to congratulate the Democrats on the rollout of their latest information warfare operation against the president and their extraordinary ability to once again enlist the mainstream media in their campaign. This operation began with media reports from the prime instigators of the Russia collusion hoax, that a whistleblower is claiming President Trump made nefarious promise to a foreign leader. The released transcript of that call has already debunked that central assertion. But that didn't matter. The Democrats simply moved the goalposts and began claiming that there doesn't need to be a quid pro quo for this conversation to serve. Uh, all as right, the we're going to stop this for a second because I've got an important, important uh, piece of information about this. The whistleblower. I'm going to come back to the whistleblower. I'm going to come back to the Devin Nunes uh, summary. Take a look at this. On the screen, you're going to see a form that existed within the intelligence community. It's, it's a whistleblower form. In other words, you need, look at what it says, first-hand information required. If you are going to be a whistleblower and you are going to file a complaint, if you're going to, if you find, uh, in order to find an urgent concern credible, if, you've, if you're going to say, man, you know, there's some, something going on here. You need to have firsthand information, kind of like if you if you um, if you're going to testify in court. Oh, just ask Judge Judy for for the people of my demographic, I suppose. But just if you're going to testify in court, you can't testify. You can't you can't introduce hearsay as evidence. The whistleblower complaint from right through right through August of 2019. 
required firsthand information. This is what Devin Nunes was referencing in the, the whistleblower report. But now, form number two, here's the revised version that was changed just right before the whistleblower came up, up to speed here. <clears throat> As I said before, oh, how convenient. Same form. Instead of having needing to have firsthand information, he just got to check the box. Maybe you can use your orange crayon or your red crayon. Probably your red crayon. I know about the information I'm disclosing here. And you either check, well, I've got direct and personal knowledge. Or hell, I just heard about it from, from others. Really? Uh, you see, the reason I, uh, the reason I stopped that video to show you that form, and I'll be getting back to it, is to tell you about the whistleblower process. It was changed to accommodate this whistleblower, and I want to know who the hell the whistleblower is, and I want to know Adam Schiff, that pencil neck geek, that putrid excuse of a human being, that in okay, I want to know what role Adam Schiff played in the production of the document of the whistleblower document because you doggone better know that Schiff played a critical role in the creation of that document. If he didn't write it all himself, he helped write it and played an important role in it. And the whistleblower process was changed so he could do just that or have somebody act as a whistleblower before the committee and say, well, I heard about it. I don't know. I was, was, you know, I just heard about this, so I'm going to complain about it. That's the stand. Are you telling me that's the standard of evidence we have been reduced to and we're talking about impeachment? Hearsay evidence is now okay for a complaint of this magnitude? Let's go back to the Nunes, uh, Nunes, Nunes uh, summary because I think it's important. I'm running out of time. For impeaching the president. Speaker Pelosi went further when asked earlier if she would put breaks on impeachment if the transcript turned out to be benign. She responded, quote, so there you go. If the whistleblower operation doesn't work out, the Democrats and their media, we have candidates, quote, we have many candidates for impeachable offenses. That was her quote. So there you go. If the whistleblower operation doesn't work out, the Democrats and their media assets can always drum up something else. And what other information has come to light since the original false report of a promise being made? We've learned the following. The complaint relied on hearsay evidence provided by the whistleblower. The inspector general did not know the contents of the phone call at issue. The inspector general found the whistleblower displayed arguable political bias against Trump. The Department of Justice investigated the complaint and determined no action was warranted. The Ukrainian president denies being pressured by President Trump. So once again, this supposed scandal ends up being nothing like what we were told 
And once again, the Democrats, their media mouthpieces, and a cabal of leakers are ginning up a fake story with no regard to the monumental damage they're causing to our public institutions and to trust in government. And without acknowledging all the false stories they propagated in the past, including countless allegations that Trump campaign colluded with Russia to hack the 2016 elect election. We're supposed to forget about all those stories, but believe this one. In short, what we have with this storyline is another still dossier. I'll note here that in the Democrats' mania to overturn the 2016 elections, everything they touch gets hopelessly politicized. With the Russia hoax, it was our intelligence agencies which were turned into a political weapon to attack the president. And now today, the whistleblower process is the casualty. Until about a week ago, the need to protect that process was, the pri was a primary bipartisan concern of this committee. But if the Democrats were really concerned with defending that process, they would have pursued this matter with a quiet, sober inquiry as we do for all whistleblowers. But that would have been useless for them. They don't want answers. They want a public spectacle. And so we've been treated to an unending parade of press releases, press conferences, and fake news stories. This hearing itself is another example. Whistleblower inquiries should not be held in public at all. As our Senate counterparts, both Democrats and Republicans, obviously understand, their hearing with Mr. McGuire is behind closed doors. But again, that only makes sense when your goal is to get information, not to create a media frenzy. The current hysteria has something else in common with the Russia hoax. Back then, they accused the Trump campaign of colluding with Russians when the Democrats themselves were colluding with Russians in preparing the Steele dossier. Today, they accuse the president of pressuring Ukrainians to take actions that would help himself or hurt his political opponents. And yet, there are numerous examples of Democrats doing the exact same thing. Joe Biden bragged that he extorted the Ukrainians into firing a prosecutor who happened to be investigating Biden's own son. Three Democratic senators wrote a letter pressuring the Ukrainian general prosecutor to reopen the investigation. Into former Trump campaign officials. Another Democratic senator went to Ukraine and pressured the Ukrainian president not to investigate corruption allegations on involving Joe Biden's son. According to Ukrainian officials, the Democratic National Committee contractor Alexander, Alexandra Chalupa tried to get Ukrainian officials to provide dirt on Trump associates and tried to get the former Ukrainian president to comment publicly on alleged ties to Russia. Ukrainian official Sergei Lashenko was a source for Nellie Orr, wife of Department of Justice official Bruce Orr, as she worked on the anti-Trump operation conducted by Fusion GPS and funded by the Democrats. Diana West on this and program. And of course, Democrats on this very committee negotiated with people who they thought were Ukrainians in order to obtain nude pictures of Trump.
He's talking about Adam Schiff, by the way. People can reasonably ask why the Democrats are so determined to impeach this president when in just a year, they'll have a chance. In fact, one Democratic congressman, one of the first to call for Trump's impeachment, gave us the answer when he said, quote, I'm concerned that if we don't impeach the president, he will get reelected, unquote. Winning elections is hard. And when you compete, you have no guarantee you'll win. But the American people do have a say in this. And they made their voices heard in the last presidential election. This latest gambit by the Democrats to overturn the people's mandate is unhinged and dangerous. They should end the entire dishonest, grotesque spectacle and get back to work to solving problems, which is what every member of this committee was sent here to do. Judging by today's charade, the chances of that happening anytime soon are zero to none. I yield back. All right. That gave a pretty good summary with respect to the whistleblower and some of the time elements and, and just kind of touching on some of the high points. And when he, um, I thought it was fantastic when he referenced, you know, some other people uh, getting dirt on President Trump, soliciting dirt, uh, nude pictures, and he's talking directly or talking uh specifically about Adam Schiff, who's sitting directly to his left. I thought that was a precious moment. And I, I, I thought it was pretty uncomfortable for Schiff, who, who, by the way, I believe will be the focus uh, of, a, um, of an investigation to have him removed from that committee. I think he should be removed from that committee, the House Intelligence Committee. Certainly his uh, position as, as uh, uh, chairman. Uh, because, number one, he has made himself into what is known as a fact witness. And I think Rudy Giuliani talks about this. And he cannot be or hold the position of prosecutor if you are a fact witness. It's just, it, it's against the rules. One thing I failed to mention about that form I feel like a raving lunatic sometimes, and I apologize for that, but I'm passionate about this because I see our republic in trouble. But one thing I failed to mention about that form, it was revised in August of 2019. Now think about this. The complaint was filed. The whistleblower complaint that's being referenced everywhere was filed when? August 12th of 2019. That form was revised August of 2019. Specifically, in my view, based on investigation and my own investigation and research, to accommodate hearsay evidence, as I showed you between the forms, the first, you need firsthand evidence. Nope. Now you just, somebody heard somebody say it? Okay, going to turn it in. That is important. And also, that form was uploaded, the, the, the new form, the revised form, was uploaded September 24th, 2019 at 4.25 p.m. So it looks pretty damning to the intelligence community whistleblower whistleblower as well as the process itself 
This is important information. So what do we have? I, I just tossed out what this, this fact salad out there. Is that, you know, so what do we have? We have the deep state attempting to overturn, continuing to do so today, the 2016 elections. They have not let go of that. They cannot lose power. In fact, it's, it's well beyond that. They can only not lose power, but they did. They have to forcibly remove the individual, Donald Trump, who is in power. They've got to get him out. You heard Devin Nunes saying, this is so he won't win. Impeachment's necessary to make sure he doesn't win in 2020. Is there anything more overtly political any more impeachment that is that's more overtly political than this? I don't think so. You have Biden and his son with the pat on the head and the nod from the Obama, Obama himself and the Obama regime. Joseph Biden, lunch bucket Joe, he's not Joseph Biden, the most corrupt politician in my view, in the, in the history of the United States, especially the vice president position, engaged in personal enrichment. Oh, and also withholding withholding aid until uh, uh, Shokin was fired, the uh, fire prosecutor in Ukraine. You talk about meddling. The the, the Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian uh, prosecutors and. They spent a year and a half trying to get this information to the FBI, including the time when Comey was FBI, uh, head of the FBI. And, and even after that, so when Donald Trump said, hey, we, I mean, I think what, what Biden did was terrible. Let's look into it. Well, impeachment was necessary. That's That was the impetus for impeachment by Nancy Botox Pelosi. San Fran uh, Pelosi there. The crap hole city of the, of the United States. Literally. I'm going to play... Um, Let's go to uh, video three from the start, if you don't mind. Again, this is from the, this is telling, this is President Trump with the president of Finland. Listen to what he's got to say. He's making reference to the whistleblower complaint, a reference to the New York Times, which suggested something might be amiss there. And of course, calling Biden and his son stone, cold, crooked. I cannot get enough of this, but uh, let's take this in its entirety. From the beginning, yeah. What did you want about Biden? What did you want him to look into on Biden? Look, Biden and his son are stone, cold, crooked. And you know it. His son walks out with millions of dollars. The kid knows nothing. You know it, and so do we. Go ahead, ask a question. But the, the question, sir, was what did you want President Zelensky to do about Pre Vice President Biden and his son, Hunter? 
Are you talking to me? Yeah, you it was just a follow-up of what I just asked listen, you, sir. Listen, you ready? We have the president of Finland. Ask him a question. I have one for him. I just wanted to follow up on the one that I asked you, which did was, you hear what me? did you want Did you hear me? Yes, Ask sir. him a question. I, I will, but... I've given you a long answer. Ask <laughs> this gentleman a question. Don't be rude. No, sir, I don't want to be rude. I just wanted you to have a chance to answer the question that I asked I've you. I've answered everything. It's a whole hoax. And you know who's playing into the hoax? People like you and the fake news media that we have in this country. And I say, in many cases, the corrupt media, because you're corrupt. Much of the media in this country is not just fake, it's corrupt. And you have some very fine people, too. Great journalists, great reporters. But it, to a large extent, it's corrupt and it's fake. Ask the president of Finland a question, please. Okay, I'll move on now. My second question to you, sir, is the WTO rule today in favor of the United States, yeah. uh, saying that the United States can now impose tariffs on European goods because of illegal subsidies against Airbus. That was a big win for the United States, right? It was you never had wins with other presidents, did you? But we're having a lot of wins at the WTO since I became president. This was a case that started, I think, 10 or 15 years yeah. ago. Okay. But Excuse it, me. It, Your wins are now because they think I don't like the WTO and they want to make sure I'm happy because all of those countries were ripping off the United States for many years. They know that I'm wise to it. We've had a lot of wins. This was a $7 billion win. Not bad. But I, I think the so, question is for me. So the me. question, sir, is if you're concerned yep. that the president will impose those tariffs and the effect that that may have on the economy. Yes, first of all, when I refer to your democracy, I just wanted to tell that I'm impressed what uh, American people have uh, gained during these decades, hundreds of years, building up a very impressive democracy. Yeah, so absolutely. Keep it going on. Uh, to WTO, uh, I have uh, a lot of respect to multilateralism and to international institutions. So WTO has given now a decision which is, well, uh, quite tough with Europe. But I just say that the WTO has said its opinion, and that's that. And I, I just want to finish by saying uh, it's an honor to be with the President of Finland. He's done a fantastic job, very popular, beloved over in Finland. Uh, the WTO has been much better to us since I've been President because they understand they can't get away with what they've been getting away with for so many years, which is ripping off the United States. And please remember the President's last remarks, that we are a great democracy. We are a great — the United States is a great democracy. And I'm airing what I'm airing, because we are, in fact, okay, we can, we can cut a that. democracy. It's all pretty much over anyway. But the, the win here, in terms of the United States as an economic power, Donald Trump, of course, is on top of things. Uh, with respect to business dealings, and he says, you know, uh, I saved the United States seven. It's a seven billion dollar win, not bad, because he's not going to be held. You know, um, uh, I, I, I thought of a phrase, and it's 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 pretty raunchy, so I won't use it. He's not going to be anyone's stable boy, shall we say? or allow the United States, you know, to, to be in that position. So the economic 
wins here that go against everything that the Obama regime did in Hunter, Biden, and Joseph Biden, and everyone who gets in to a position of power and influence and the purchasing of influence, does it have anything to do with what was just what I just or what President Trump just referenced with the WTO? Sure, to some extent, it does, because it is about uh, uh, first of all, it's about other countries paying their own way and freight, and second of all, it you know there's a lot of quid pro quos out there. Well, I think Donald Trump just uh, nixed some of that. But even more importantly, with the tariffs and such, I think it's more equitable. So do we have someone looking out for our position economically? Absolutely. Now, is it going to have ramifications? Sure. But the beginning part, but is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. Okay, so getting back to the first part of that again, the fact that, that President Trump came out and said what he said in the manner that he did and then pointed an accusing finger at the very individual asking the question, saying, you know it, and then you know it. To me, you're looking at a policy now, a scorched earth policy where Donald Trump knows, knows without any shadow of any doubt that he has got to put the move and got to put the hurt on these individuals. And I say this with a little, with, with a slight more degree of authority than perhaps some other um, individual or individuals out there opining about this, because I, I did talk with someone within the orbit of the uh, Trump administration who said, frankly, you know what, this is a new day, new time, new sheriff in town. And Rudy Giuliani was on with Lou Dobbs yesterday. I'm not sure we're going to have time to play it. Probably not. Eric, the tech, did I send you a, within that list of things, did I send a uh, video embedded in a Donald Trump tweet? Can we play that or is that too difficult to do that? All right. This kind of uh, a little bit, different. Um, this is in a, 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 the Twitter feed of real Donald Trump, at real Donald Trump. This is a video, and I didn't write, write down exactly, uh, I didn't write too much down about it. So go ahead and play that, and then I'll have commentary afterwards. There is a report that came out just before you and President Ninishto walked out here that the whistleblower met with a staff member of Adam Schiff prior oh, I love to that question. being filed. It shows that Schiff is a fraud. And I I love that question. Thank you, John. So can I finish asking? Yes, there's nothing to finish. Uh, so, so the whistleblower, according to this report, met with a member of, of uh, Adam Schiff's staff. You got it right there. You know it. I hate to say it's the New York Times. I can't believe they wrote it. Your, your response to the Maybe fact they're getting that, better. Your response to the fact that that happened and that Schiff may have learned some of what the whistleblower knew prior to the complaint. Well, I think it's a scandal that he knew before. I go a step further. I think he probably helped write it. Okay, that's what the word is. And I think it's, uh, I give a lot of respect for the New York Times for putting it out. Just happened as I'm walking up here, they handed it to me. And I said to Mike, I said, whoa, that's something. That's big stuff. That's a big story. He knew long before, and he helped write it too. It's a scam. It's a scam. Just to finish on this, I appreciate it. I love that second question, by the way. Should have asked it first. <laughs> but but l let me just tell you, the whole thing is a scam. The Mueller deal was a scam. The Russian collusion was a scam. You can ask Putin. Nobody's been rougher on Russia than Donald Trump, okay? Now, with that being said, it'd be great to get along with Russia. And we will get along with Russia because it's smart. But nobody's been tougher on Russia than Donald Trump.
And, and see, now people are going to make a big thing about him referring to himself in the third person. Uh, well, look, I don't care. Doug Hagman does not care. Doug Hagman doesn't care. I kind of like that. Anyway, Adam Schiff, what, what, what President Trump said there, and of course the New York Times is alluding to the, the printing this uh, yesterday in print that Schiff had information from the whistleblower. And, and as I said earlier, as I said earlier, by doing so, became a fa- it, it has become a fact witness. But the question remains now, and I think that President Trump might have given a little bit of insight, if not directly, somewhat indirectly. Did Adam Schiff not only have information that the so-called intelligence community whistleblower had, which, by the way, was the whistleblower anti-Donald Trump, um, I mean, you know, pro-Marxist, socialist, uh, pro, there's nothing, in my view anyway, there's nothing truthful about this whistleblower's complaint. The intelligence community, as I mentioned earlier, um, revised their form and format to accommodate the complaint of this whistleblower who was aided by Adam Schiff, who heads the House Intelligence Committee. You see where this is all going? You see where I just what I just said. A couple of House members had sent uh, letters to Nancy Pelosi saying that Adam Schiff's got to go. Crickets. But the, the but the real issue here is this is part of the takedown, continued attempt to takedown, and when the, when this whistleblower thing when this doesn't work, and actually maybe blows up in their faces. What is their next plan going to be? What is plan G or H or I or J or K going to be? Because you know they're not going to stop doing what they're doing. The intelligence community, community being that nugget or that seed out of which all the sprouts and such blossomed into, the, into this deep state coup to take down President Trump. I hope you got a lot of information out of that first hour. I hope you, I hope it, I hope it uh, provided you with some information where you could say, okay, now I'm a little bit more informed about what's going on. Watch in the coming days to watch what Hillary Clinton does. Keep your eye on, on the beast. Going to be right back with Pastor David Langford. Around the world, the Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. And now, the pastor of the Hagman Report and of many around the world, founder of thevoiceofevangelism.com, Pastor David Langford. Hello, friends. This is Pastor David Langford. We'd like to welcome you tonight to this edition on the Hagman Report. I want to say it's always a great joy uh, to come to you and to share with you an uncompromising message from the Word of the Lord. I'm very humbled and grateful that 
Doug Hagman would suffer, would allow, would tolerate me to bring to you scriptures each week. Uh, some weeks it's not convenient for me, it's not convenient for Doug, but he's very, very gracious uh, with his time, uh, uh, his platform to the voice of evangelism. And, and for that, we are tremendously, tremendously humbled. And I want to encourage you as a listener uh, to support Doug financially, to pray for him, to uplift him. You know, those of us who are trying to do right, which is mere righteousness, are always being attacked in some capacity. It doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do, you are attacked. But Jesus said, woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. So we have to understand that when we're doing the right thing, we're doing the godly thing, there are going to be those who attack us, just like Donald Trump. He's only trying to do the right thing, but he's constantly being attacked. Being attacked wears anyone down. If you've ever been attacked or, been a, or, or, or being attacked, it wears you down. It's, it's tiring. It is taxing. Uh, and believe you me, every one of us, you, you the listener included, who are trying to do the right thing, you're going to be assaulted. You're going to be attacked because you're seeking to do that which honors God. Anytime we're doing the right thing, we're honoring God because God is, is the personification of righteousness. God is the personification of righteousness. So when you or I seek to do that which is right, Satan is going to do everything that he can to attack you. So when we, when we live our lives and we live them accordingly, you're going to face adversity. Adversity, as I said, it can be arduous, laborious, trying, taxing, difficult. But we suffer these things because we are trying to be obedient to the Lord according to his calling and gifting on our lives. And so when you seek to do that which is right, you can rest assuredly people will attack you for really no reason. In Luke 6.26, Jesus said, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Anytime anyone is being spoken of by everyone in a good manner, lauding, extolling them with the great virtues and this and that and another, you need to be weary of that person because it was Jesus Christ who said that. Woe unto you 
when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. The false prophets are always lauded and extolled and lifted up. But if you're a truly blood-bought, born-again child of God, if you truly pursue Christ with clean hands and a pure heart, you can rest assuredly there are going to be those who will speak evil of you. I want to speak to you tonight for just a few minutes on reaping what you sow. Reaping what you sow. In the 23rd Psalm, David goes through a litany of the blessings, the goodness, and the presence of God in his life. He he acknowledges God and his blessings. I want to want to just quote Psalms 23. You all know this chapter. Psalms 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to notice verse 6 there in Psalms 23, verse 6. Surely Goodness and mercy shall follow me. What's following you? What's following you? David said, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Every one of us are doing two things. We are sowing and we're making records. We are sowing and we are making records. Thus, we're going to reap what we sow and God is going to record our deeds and actions. Now, the great thing about the record book is that you can live a life where the record book is a clean book. In Revelation chapter 20, in verse 12, and the books were opened. What books? What books are they talking about here? Record books. How do we know? All right, let's let's just look at the whole verse. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. What books? The record books, and we're going to prove that. 
And another book was opened, which is the book of life. So you have books, plural, book, book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So these are record books. What are they recording? They're recording our works. And of course, those record books will be opened. Now for the believer, the blood covers your sinful, wicked works in the past. All that, all that that you did, it's behind you. Now these record books that are going to be opened at the great white throne judgment, we have all this on that teaching, the great white throne judgment and the lake of fire. These record books are going to be opened and God is going to judge these wicked souls for all the sin, all the evil, all the wickedness that they have done throughout their lives and never repented of any of it. As God peruses and looks through the record books, and of course he finds nothing but sinful deeds, actions, and works, he's going to judge them accordingly. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So you are judged according to evil works. Now, this is not applicable to the Christian. This is the, this is the second resurrection. This is why you want to be in the first resurrection. Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. There are only two resurrections, and I'll say it till I die. If you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, you're believing in a fallacy because there's only two resurrections. But for there to be a pre-tribulation rapture, you have to have multiple resurrections. And thus Christ says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Now this resurrection is the resurrection of the wicked dead. See? Here in Revelation 20, verse 12, I saw the dead, and these are the wicked dead. Why? Because the first resurrection has taken place a thousand years before this resurrection. If you've ever purchased my book, The Second Coming, A Second Look, I take the last chapter, and that's all we speak about is the word resurrection. Did you know the word resurrection is not even once mentioned in the Old Testament? That's right. There are many, many references to the resurrection, but the word itself is not written in the Old Testament. Not once. It's alluded to. Job talked about it. Daniel talked about it. Many men... And the Old Testament talked about, Isaiah talked about how dust will sing again. What's he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection. But we don't see the word resurrection in the word of God in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament. See? Daniel 12 and 2, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. What does that mean? They're going to be resurrected. Some to everlasting life some to shame and everlasting contempt. So there in Daniel 12 and 2, there's again only two resurrections. There's the resurrection 
unto everlasting life. There's the resurrection unto shame and everlasting contempt. Jesus said in John 5, 28, 29, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life, they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. All that are in the graves shall hear his voice. What we must understand, there's a thousand year separation between the first resurrection and the second resurrection. Therefore, there's not multiple, multiple resurrections. There's just two. John 5, 29. And shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So how many resurrections did Christ teach? He taught two. Thus he says in Revelation 20 in verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. All right. Revelation 20 and 12 says, The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. As a Christian, your works are to be good works. A sinner's works are evil. They're not any good. Whatever. Nothing good about evil, sinful works. But that's what they're going to be judged according to their works. And of course, we see there in verses 14 and 15 here in Revelation chapter 20, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the ultimate destiny of all sinful men who fail to repent and turn to Jehovah. Now, reaping what you have sown. Admittedly, be a little transparent tonight. Admittedly, I sowed a lot of things in my past I am terribly, terribly ashamed of. Many of you are just like me, you are the same. You are ashamed of the debasedness. You are ashamed of the debauchery that had come into your life. The things you did, the places you went, how you treated people, how you lied, how you stole, how you castigated, how you, you just done evil things, evil things. When you ask Christ to forgive you, the transgression, the sin is forgiven. But here's where, here's where you're going to get confused if you're not careful. You're still going to reap what you sowed. I tell people it's important to get all the good seed in the ground you can so you can reap all the good that you possibly can in your life. You know, after I came back to the Lord, as I said, I was a, uh, you might call me a binge drinker, you know, buy half a gallon of liquor on Friday. It's all gone by Sunday morning. Take Sunday to sober up, get ready to go back to work on Monday. And of course I had had a, a, a terrible automobile accident it involved five cars, um, blew a 23. Some of you know how terrible that is. It's terrible. I mean, that's in some states three times uh, the 
posture of drunkenness if they set it at 0 0.08. 3 H is 24, so I was almost three times drunk than what the state would allow, some states allow. Telling you that to tell you that I came back to the Lord. I'd been postponing the court day because I knew the ultimate thing. Anyway, I go to court and I'm stunned. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm like hyperventilating because the judge first sentences me to a year in prison. I mean, I am, I mean, I'm terrorized. I, I, I didn't go to court that morning anticipating going to prison. He rescinded all of that, revoked my license, put me on probation for a year. If I got pulled over, they smelled alcohol on me whatsoever, straight to prison. I'd already given my heart to the Lord. I'd already quit that lifestyle. But I sowed something. I had to reap it. So I had to go a year with the inability to drive anywhere. But that was a blessing a blessing in disguise because it made me pray and fast and memorize Bible verses. That's all I did for the first year. I did, I couldn't go anywhere, so I took that time. So you see, God can sequester you and put you in a place that's best for you and you don't have enough common sense to see God's helping you, but you can't see that. That's why God showed me when he allowed Joseph to be put in the pit, to be put in the pit and you've all said, man, this is the pits. Man, God, why you put me here in the pits? Well, friend, he was saving Joseph from murder. They were going to kill him. Go back and reread Genesis chapter 37. They were going to kill the man of God. So they put him in the pit to figure out exactly what they're going to do, how they're going to do this. And, of course, you know the story. A caravan of Midianites came down the road. Where are they going? They're going to Egypt. Where does God want Joseph? He wants Joseph in Egypt. So they feign Joseph's death by taking his coat of many colors, which was a literal quilt. Some of you listening to me remember the old patch quilts? I still have the one my grandmother made me years ago. She used to make patch quilts. Her and my great aunt would sit for days and cut out, I don't know, six by six square cloth in all colors, all different designs, sew it all together, put nice uh, lush cotton between the two uh, quilt pieces and sew it together and make a blanket. That's what God or jo Jacob did for Joseph, the coat of many colors. It was a mere quilt, designed like a coat, but it was a quilt, many patches, many colors. In other words, symbolizing many facets, many parts of his life. So God takes all of the pieces and makes something beautiful out of it. So we've all made the statement, this is the pits. Why do you have me here, God? God is saving you from something worse. You just can't see it at the time. So we know all of these things that happened to Joseph. God was putting together the puzzle for the man's life. Sometimes your life is a puzzle. You're puzzled by events. You're puzzled by circumstances. You're puzzled by situations. But then when you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, it is a beautiful, beautiful quilt, pattern, part of your life. So we have many parts in our lives. Getting back to my point, I reaped what I sowed. Drunkenness, car wreck, uh, 
revocation of my license, probation. I was a Christian, born again, blood-bought child of God, but I had sown something and I had to reap it. This is why people get deceived. They think when they come to Jesus, everything of the past just melts away and there are no repercussions. That's deception. That's why we're told in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to his spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. I sowed to my flesh in drunkenness, lost my license, but wait a minute, I'd given my heart, I'd come back to the Lord. But I had sown that and I had to reap it. You drink liquor 20 years, 15 years, 30 years, whatever. One day the doctor says, you have cirrhosis. You say, but wait a minute, I gave my heart to the Lord a year ago. You've already done the damage and you're reaping what you sowed. You're reaping what you sowed. You can get drunk, have an automobile accident, lose a limb, an arm, a leg. You can give your heart to the Lord. God will forgive you. God will redeem you. God will literally save you from your sins. But you are going to reap what you sowed. This is why people get deceived. They do things and they think there are no repercussions. The psalmist David is the perfect portrait of somebody sinning and somehow not realizing I've got to reap what I have sown. And God told him, you see, to whom much is given, much is required. God took a little 14-year-old shepherd boy and made him king of Israel, gave him everything a man could have ever desired, could have ever wanted. But when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin. When it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, David didn't fall over dead when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He didn't fall over dead when he had Uriah murdered. But God said, because of your sins, the sword will never leave your house. You're going to reap what you have sown, David. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Look at after David's sin. Look at all the corruption of, of reaping corruption, reaping corruption, reaping corruption. Was he saved? Yes. Had God forgiven him? Yes. But you reap what you sow. So somebody needs to hear this because you have sown to the whirlwind. Excuse me. You've sown to the wind and you're going to reap the whirlwind. You've sown some things and you don't want to reap it. You don't want to reap it. But the sad truth is, you're going to reap it. You cannot get out of reaping it. You can't get out of reaping it. You have sown it. You have to reap it. That's, this is why I preach repentance. You see, people don't understand sometimes why I'm so ardent, I'm so adamant, I'm so unyielding in preaching repentance because I understand if you let that sin stay rooted or stay in your life, it takes root and it brings forth 
Paul said in Hebrews 12, it brings forth bitterness. It brings forth sorrow. It brings forth pain. It brings forth suffering. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk. The bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. God is flat out telling Israel, you've tried to sow seed in the wind. It doesn't work. The wind does not need to be blowing. Because you've tried to sow, or you have sown, let me say it like that, you've sown in the wind. What you have sown is now going to come back as the whirlwind. You're not going to get what you think you're going to get. You always get worse. The, the law of retroprocity, the law of retroprocity, 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 you reap what you sow. Think about what I'm saying. But here's the problem. We always reap far more than we sowed. As I've said, you've heard me use this analogy. You put a grain of corn in the ground and you get a stalk of corn. with three or four ears of corn, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of kernels of corn on those three or four ears of corn. It's a, it's a type of retroprocity. You reap what you sow. You sow this, you get this. But you always reap more than you sow. David reaped Oh, my Lord. David reaped so much more. Thus he said when Absalom was slain by Joab, he said, my son, my son, my son, I would have died for thee. I would have died for you. I would have taken your place, Absalom. I would have. Too late. You sowed it. You have to reap it. You sowed to the wind. You reap the whirlwind. Obadiah verse 15 says, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. It's going to return to you on your own head. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. The old boomerang effect. You know, you throw the boomerang out, it comes back to you. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. You may not think it, but you're going to reap it. The things our leaders of this nation, they have done. See, you, you plant seed today, you don't see any fruit of it. You plant it today, Wednesday, maybe next Wednesday or seven to ten days, you go out there and you see a little something coming up out of the soil, germination. 
It's had time to germinate. You leave it alone, it'll grow up whatever the, the seed was. An acorn, an oak tree, peach seed, peach tree, apple seed, apple tree, pear seed, pear tree. You reap what you sow. That's why I tell people, you're always angry, you're always bitter, you're always crass, you're always curt, you never help anybody, you're selfish, you're stingy, you're self-serving, you think about nobody but yourself. How a patrolman pulls you over, you're begging for mercy, he ignores you and keeps writing the ticket. You're reaping what you sowed. This is why in giving, you reap what you sow. You know, I find people, this is this is a fact. It's a, it's a literal fact. People who never give are always struggling. Why? You're reaping what you sowed. If you sowed nothing financially, how do you expect to reap anything financially? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth. Paul does not delineate from whether you're sowing seeds, literal physical seeds of vegetables or fruits or seeds of bitterness, anger, retaliation, gossip, slander, discord, whatever you're sowing, you're going to reap it. I told Steve Quell just the other night, he and I were talking and I was, I was telling him how I've been praying for the last while. God, if my attitude's wrong, help me. If there's something in my life, point it out to me. If I'm getting blinded by pride and I can't see it, show me. I want to know. I don't want to keep going against God's plan, God's will for my life. And, and, and this is why people don't understand about reaping. Whatever you sowed, you're going to reap. You say, well, I gave my heart to the Lord. All that should be behind me. That's not the law of retroprocity. The law is you reap what you sow. I, I always tell people, get saved as quickly as soon as you can. Give your heart to Jesus and then goodness and mercy will follow you. But you you live a life of drunkenness. You're snorting crack cocaine. You're, you're, you're always watching pornography and you're having marital strife. And, 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 and you sowed all this garbage. What do you expect to reap? You expect to 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 be a, 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 a one who watches pornography every day, and the devil puts it in your mind. It's okay, and then you compare your wife to some uh, porn star, and, and you start having marital strife and contention, and, and and all of these things. You sowed that. Now that's what you're going to reap. Well, I don't believe that. Well, believe what you want to, but remember, Paul prefaces it by saying. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Paul says emphatically, don't deceive yourself, don't attempt to fool yourself. If you sowed it, you're going to reap it. Let me tell you something. I'm going to use the grain of corn again. Put it in the ground, watch it come up. Once it starts to break the ground and you see the two little green leaves come out, 
You can go out there and you can pick that little corn plant right out of the soil. Why? It has no root. It has no strength. You can just go pluck it up. Just just barely your little pinky. Take your pinky and your thumb. You can pull that little that little corn plant right out of the soil. All right. Let it grow up. Full mature tasseling and the three or four ears of of a corn on it. Go over and take your thumb and your pinky, and that's all. See if you can pull it out of the ground now. You can't get it out of the ground with your pinky and your thumb. It's too big. The roots are too deep. It's too mature. That's what happens in your life when you leave sin unchecked and you don't get it under the blood of Jesus. That will grow and come to it'll come into it'll turn into something that you won't believe. This this is why James that is such a profound passage of scripture in James 1, 13 through 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. I want to emphasize, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When lust has conceived, you have brought together something, just like a man's sperm and a woman's egg. When they come together, you have conception. You'll either have a boy or you'll have a girl. Something has been conceived. Now, Paul is not talking about, or excuse me, James is not talking about uh, procreation here. He's talking about sin. But what he's what he's showing us is that sin, once it is conceived, now you've got to deal with what it brings forth. A young couple who are promiscuous, committing fornication on a regular basis, they get pregnant. They're not married. The child is, a, is an aberration. The child is a problem. But they conceived it because it was an act of sin. When my wife and I had children, it was not an act of sin. It was the reward of the Lord. It was the blessing of the Lord. Psalms 127 verse 2 or verse 3, the reward of the Lord is the fruit of the womb. Lo, children are a heritage. So, so he tells us it is a reward. It is a blessing. There are thousands and thousands of people in America who would love to have a child, but they can't. They cannot conceive. They'd love to, but they can't. But we're not talking about conception as far as procreation. We're talking about conception and bringing forth something that is detrimental to your life through the conception of sin and lust. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You keep sowing, the garbage and the mess you're sowing, death. I, I, that, that is hard. That is tragic for me to even say that. This is why America is on a on a course with death sin when it is finished it bringeth forth death 
all these stuff that, that's been conceived in this nation, all these alphabet agencies, all this that has been conceived, it's got to be dealt with, folks. Sin is like a cancer, metastasized, malignant. Look up the word malignant in the dictionary. The third or fourth definition says tends to produce death. Why? Something has been conceived and brought forth. I know cellularly the cells have dilated and changed their makeup, and that's that's sin. All, all sin. I should. I meant to say sickness, but it's like sin. It's like sin. And sin unchecked is like cancer. All cancer cells are dilated cells. They're larger. Why? Because they've changed what they were. When sin gets in your life, it makes your life larger in the sense of what you're going to reap. You always reap more than you sow. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. God says, you're going to reap what you sowed. You're going to reap it. God says you're going to reap this stuff. This is why I'm telling you tonight, stop sowing it now. Stop it. Stop sowing it. Get disciplined. In the name of Jesus Christ, get disciplined and stop what you're doing because there's coming a day of reaping. And he said you sow to the flesh. You're going to reap corruption. Now that that that's ugly. That's ugly. But that's the truth. I feel the Holy Spirit is wanting to really talk to someone tonight and tell you you're going to reap corruption. This is what's happened to America. We are reaping corruption, this, this divisiveness, this divided house in which we now live in America. We're reaping what we sowed. You say, well, I didn't sow it. No, but our leaders did. And we're going to suffer because of what they sowed. I'm going to say something to, well, this is not my program. This is Doug, so I, I need to be careful. Some of the preachers, you've sown right along with the liberal agenda of this nation. You've, you've sown right with it. You're going to reap corruption. You're going to reap it. Well, I don't believe it. Just hang on. It's coming. Corruption. It literally means something that is ruined, uh, something that is decaying or rottening. That, 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 that's, what you're, that's what you're going to reap. Now, you may not believe that. Something that is depraved. Uh, something that is shriveled, the Greek says, something that is withered, something that is spoiled. Mm. He that soweth to his flesh shall reap things that are spoiled, shriveled, withered, decayed, rottening, ruination. But he that soweth to the spirit 
Now, you are both. Your body, soul, and spirit. Your body can sow something, and your spirit can sow something. And the body and the spirit are toiling and fighting over the dominion of the soul. Whichever one wins determines the destiny of the soul. Galatians 5, 16, 17, Paul said this, I say then, walk in the spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You've heard the old cliche, you got two dogs on your shoulder. One's a white dog, one's a black dog. You feed the white dog, it wins. You feed the black dog, it wins. What are you feeding? You feeding your flesh or you feeding your, your, your spirit? Because that determines where the soul. I preached a message years ago. The great civil war. What is a civil war? It is, it is a war of the same people on the same soil, but they become divided. But the war takes place on the same soil just like the United States of America, north and the south. It was the same soil. It was the United States. This is why we're coming to a place of civil unrest in America. We're becoming like the north and the south. We're the left and the right. We're the left-wingers. We're the right-wingers. We're the conservative. We're the liberals. But these two factions are going to fight on the same soil. We're not going overseas to fight ourselves. We're going to fight right here on our same soil. The devastation will be overwhelming. There are men, there are men like Rick Joyner. He says God has declared, showed him there would be civil war in America. Can it be diverted? Possibly, if we pray, we fast, we repent, and we quit living in sin. Now, if we don't fast, pray, and repent, and turn from our evil, wicked ways, then we're going to have civil war. Now, when God said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, now listen to this, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now, that, that's, that's not just talking about a drought. That's not talking about wildfires. That's talking about the same soil and the land that we as people live in, whether we're Democrats, Republicans, right-wingers, left-wingers, liberal or conservative, but we all live and enjoy the same land. A liberal eats the same fruits and vegetables that a conservative does. Eat the same beef. Even though you're being told by the lefters, I was thinking the other day, we've got the sin of omission, the sin of commission, and now with cows, we have the sin of emission. Yeah, that's how crazy we are. All these things are diabolical. They talked about, we got to quit eating meat, yet in the, obviously the Iowa or Idaho, I think it was Iowa Fair, they fixed over 10,000 steaks up there. All your liberal 
left-wingers, and they're telling us we shouldn't be eating meat. Why'd you cook 10,000 steaks at that fair the other day? It's because you're a hypocrite. I need to be careful. This is the Hagman program. Reaping what you sowed. You can't get away from it. You can't get around it. You can't circumvent it. That's why we need to repent. To repent means we're going to turn away from our wicked ways and not do that again. That's godly sorrow. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. God, I'm sorry for the sins. I turn. I will not do it again. People are sorry they get caught. There's something something going on in America. Something going on that the corruption, the rot, the ruin, the decay, it, it's right underneath. You see, you sowed in the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind, God said. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Again, that's Obadiah verse 15. It's, it's coming home. Coming home. Even a fool can speak of profundity once in a while like the preacher in Jeremiah write, the chickens are coming home to roost. You've sown it. You're going to reap it. You sow to the flesh. I, I can't overly emphasize this statement. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to your spirit, you reap life everlasting. All of us are sowing. There's not one of us that's not sowing. There's not one of us that's not making records. All of us are sowing. All of us are making records. We're all doing something. We're all doing something. All sowing something. Is it good? Or is it bad? Evil, good. Bitter, sweet. Light, darkness. What is it? What? What are we sowing? It's sad. It is sad. It is sad to see all the evil that's been sown. But it's a truth. And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're the president or you're a custodian for a public school. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're going to reap what we have sown. I know people don't believe that, but it is a, a truth. 
I pray today. I pray today that you will start sowing that which is good. Not that which is evil. I think I said a while ago, retro, I meant reciprocity. Because we're, we're going to reciprocate in, in some capacity this nation. We're, we're, we, we this is this is why I can't overly emphasize the, the words of the Apostle Paul. Be not deceived. We need to understand, don't be deceived. Don't think you can do this stuff and say, there's no consequences. There are consequences. I want to do the right thing. I want to sow the right thing. Is that your heart? Is that your mind? Is that your desire? Is that, is that where you're going? Are we going to, are we going to believe we cannot reciprocate? Because we will. We will. You know, God is a God of mercy. And the quicker, the quicker that we sow the good stuff, the, the, the sooner as Christians, well, not only Christians, you know, you can, you can be a sinner, a non-believer, and still do the right thing. Did you know that? You can be, um, never have been born again, never been washed in the blood of Jesus, always lived a life of sin. But if a, somebody asks you a question, you can tell the truth. You don't have to be a backstabber, a liar, a cheat, a thief. And you will also reap good things. See, that that's that's why Paul, he emphasizes that so adamantly beginning, be not deceived. See? You're, 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 you're going to reap what you sow. I'm going to reap what I sow. Every one of us, you may not believe this, every one of us are going to reap everything we sowed. And so I always tell people, please, start sowing the good seed as quickly as you can, because if that's what you sowed, then you're going to reap a good harvest. You're going to reap a good harvest. If you keep sowing bad seed, I'm telling you, the scripture says corruption, death, decay, ruin, rot, all of these things, all of these things. I, I, I'm amazed 
when God said there in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth. He didn't say Christian man, sinner man, lukewarm man, backslidden man, indifferent, tepid. He says, any man. Whatsoever a man, meaning any man, no matter who he is, whatever he sows, that shall he also reap. That is a law. That is a law just like gravity. Just like gravity. Reciprocity. What will, 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 will you reciprocate? Will you, will you put in the soil? I'm, I'm talking spiritually now. Will you, will you put the right thing in the ground, spiritually speaking? Or are you going to sow to the flesh and reap corruption? You know, uh, my time is about gone, but as a pastor, through the years, I've watched people whose lives have been a wreck. They come to church. They, they purportedly give their lives to Christ and they start sowing good seed. Good things begin to happen. But then somewhere along the way, they get off of track. I know I, I shared this uh, pushing two years ago of the man I pastored. And he, he left the church, but he was, a, he was a guy just like me. He loved fast cars, motorcycles, had a great job. But he, he, he drank and he did drugs, and God delivered him. God set him free. He lived, he lived a godly life for many years. But I saw him drifting. His name was Doug. And I said, Doug, you, you're not what you used to be. You're not as committed. I'm, I'm fine, preacher. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm all right. I'm all right. He finally left the church, saw him. He said, I'm going to another church down here, so-and-so. And It's different. you know. It's not what you preach, but it's it's church. And to make a long story short, he, he had a hip replacement. He got back on opioids. And my son actually worked for him. He was the plant manager, CM Steel. CM Steel, large. Well, I say large. They had about 200 employees. But Doug made about $200,000 a year. That was his salary. Blue-collar guy, smart. And my son, Wesley, said, Doug, you, you're coming in, man. You're high. You're, you're, you're not the guy you used to be. You need to stop. My son was trying to minister to him and help steer him. Finally, the company fired him. I remember where I was. I was in Florida. I was with a friend of mine, a pastor friend, who was at a particular office down there, and I was sitting in his truck when my son Wesley called me. He said, Daddy, they just fired Doug. And I said, this won't end well. He said, what do you mean? I said, I, said, I, know, I know Doug. This won't end well. That was on Wednesday. It's either Tuesday or Wednesday. And my son called me the following Sunday and said they found Doug overdosed between the alcohol and the opioids. Not intentional. 
No one will ever get me to believe that. It was an accident. He, did, he didn't mean to do that. But see, having lost the job, he probably went to drinking more, doing more painkillers, and that's what happens. And, and so this is why Paul, the apostle, says, don't be deceived. You're not going to mock God. God's done so much for you, and then we turn around and we go back into open sin and we mock God. It's one thing to have a private failure in our lives, a failure. We sin, we transgress. It's another, and that's why I preach, if you go back into open sin, and you go back into open sin, you begin to live a, a sinful life before the world, then you need to be rebaptized in water. Now, that's not going to save you. But Paul, or we're told in Revelation 2, do your first works. You're only redoing your first works. Why? Because you have voided them. You've nullified them because you went back into open sin. Now, if you have a, a, a bump up, a mistake, an error, you sin, you grieve the Holy Spirit, it's a private thing, then just get on your knees and say, God, forgive me. Because you didn't go back into the world and say, hey, I once was a Christian, now I'm back in sin, and, I, and I'm not what I used to be, and, and just go back to the old ways. I mean, we'd be getting baptized all the time because we, we err somewhere along the way. But I'm talking about going back into an open lifestyle of sin. Don't be deceived. And America, I'm afraid, is being deceived and not realizing, not understanding what we are about to reap. What we are about to reap. It's, it's sad, but it is a reality. I don't want you to succumb to evil because if you do, that's what you'll reap. I pray today that God will watch over you, your family, your home, your marriage, your children. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. He will bless you. I promise you today, if you will seek to live right, and I mean this, if you will seek to live right, God will help you. I said God will help you. He loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. He will help you if you will walk the walk and talk the talk. God bless you. We'll see you, Lord willing, next week at this same time and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Voice of Evangelism is a word-based ministry that is totally supported by free will offerings and gifts. If you would like to tithe or make an offering to this ministry, please visit thevoiceofevangelism.com and click Donate Today. The Voice of Evangelism is a ministry of faith. We're believing God each month to lay on the hearts of those listeners to support us if they are being blessed. Again, if you would like to tithe or donate an offering to this ministry, please visit thevoiceofevangelism.com and click Donate today. Thank you, and may God bless you.